to Burning the Edge. We would like to welcome to the tea our host, Mr. Arthur Miller Jr. Thank you for listening to Burning the Edge podcast. Today we're going to have a conversation with a couple more of my golf buddies, Kendrick Hickman and Ronald Porter. Thank y'all, fellas, for joining us. Uh, we're going to got a few things to talk about today. We're going to talk about this. Uh, I think it'll be, uh, we'll be in a bad position if we didn't at least talk about this Genesis invitation today, this tournament they had today. I don't know if y'all had a chance to see it or not, but um, they came down to a playoff. And what's crazy is they end up, the cat that had the lead after 36 holes was 12 under. He shot a 64 and a 66. Turn around, and the winner today was 12 under. <laughs> so it didn't move in two days. The same, if he could, if he had shot even for two days, he would have won a tournament or at least been in the playoff for a tournament. So the um, ended up being Max Homer. And Tony Finau in the playoff. I was really rooting for Tony Finau to get it, man. He's This year alone, he has had four top ten finishes this year alone. Same like he. Man, that dude, he has one of the shortest backswings on, that I've seen on the, on the tour. But hit is the fathers. It's crazy. Like, how do you hit it that far you don't take it back as far as half the cats? You know, you, you take it back the least. But hit it farther than everybody else. Him and think, uh, his height, his height has a lot to do with it yeah, as well, man. He's yeah. a tall cat. Yeah. Him and John Rom have short backswings, but they hit it. They hit it pretty good though. Well, he's killer with his uh, his three wood. I mean, oh yeah, deadly. I mean, his second shot if he hit that three wood is on the green. Oh yeah, today he was pin high. I think that hole was like today was like two ninety five. He hit his three wood from the tee. He was pin high, probably I would say about fifteen yards off the green to the left. Two ninety five. Two ninety five with a three wood. Three wood. I hit mine two ninety eight. Yeah, uh huh. <laughs> it was one time at Fox Meadows, but I did. Did you really? Yeah, X Rob and Steve. Rob and Steve. I was with Rob, maybe two ninety eight. It was whole sixteen at Fox. Yep. How far did it roll? Sixteen. Didn't roll. Here's the thing: if I would hit the fairway, it would have went over three hundred. I hit, you know, that tree on the left side on sixteen. You know, you got the water, right? Sixteen. So ten part five, eleven at part four, twelve part four with the with the trees and the apartments to the left. Part so hold three. on, hold on. Seventeen is the part three. Yep. So the hole before that with the water, the water on the left and the water on the right. It oh yeah, 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 right. yeah, 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 yeah. With the trees by the water down there yep. on the right. It's a, it's a tree that's on the left hand side on the rough or whatever. My ball man took off left, came back right, and dropped in that rough, and I was just in front of that tree. So if I would have hit it straight, I would have went over three hundred yards. What? And keep in mind, it was summertime, so ball going to travel a little further. But that's the first I never hit my three with. No disrespect to uh, Tony Fee now, but I hit mine 298 yeah. one time out of 100. So. Yeah. It's regular for him, though. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I'm trying to get that. <laughs> so, I don't know if y'all saw this shot. 
So this is the playoff hole. They had to go 10, 14, 18, which they never get to, get to 18. So they this was number 10, which was the drivable uh, par four. Mm-hmm. Max Homer hits his, I don't know what he hit out the tee. He ends up, I mean, like right up on a tree. Like right up on a tree. Off to the left. He hit an amazing shot to get up on the ground. I, I think he may have used like a four iron or something, and he kind of hooded it mm-hmm. and hit it just low enough to get it up. And it probably went about, he was probably about 30, 40 yards, 30, maybe 30 yards from the green. He hit it up on the green, man. It was on. Freaking believable. It was a great shot, man. It really was a great playoff. Probably one of the best playoffs that I ever seen. It, if it had a, you know, as far as the quality of golf they were played, well, that was a good shot. Tony Fina being Tony Pinhow was a good shot. You know, he ended up parring the hole, and that guy in Max Homer ended up parring the hole or whatever. Really, Tony Fina should have won it on that hole. I think that's what really hurt him on the next hole. But uh, y'all got to go back and look back at it. If you didn't see it, look at the highlights and check it out. I mean, it really was uh, some good good golf. But anyway, those greens at River Area, um, they are tough. Very. Yes. Very tough. So there's a little history behind this tournament because this is the tournament – which it has been moved from the place it was here before. Of course, it was played it, it before. But this actually was the first PGA tournament that Charlie Seifert played in, which was he was the first African-American to ever play in a sanctioned PGA event. Mm-hmm. And so um, we got to talk a little history about this cat, man, because he Absolutely. really endured uh, – a lot of bull crap um, to be able to be um, to break that barrier. He is the uh, the Jackie Robinson of golf. Um, he is the one that broke that barrier. Mm-hmm. Which was crazy. What you know? It's it's a lot of history about golf, man. That uh, a lot of I didn't know about, and to find out that. The Masters, as great of a tournament as the Masters is, but that was like the last event they actually let an African American play in it. It it, it kind of pisses you off uh, because they did so many things to keep um, even Charles after yeah to keep us out of it. Even after he had earned his PGA card. You know, and was playing well. They did so much to keep him out of. But anyway, we'll get into that. Um, so, what do, what do, do y'all what do y'all think about Tony Fina as a golfer? I personally like him. Um, I just like uh, the fact he. I mean, he's a family guy. Um, I, I like the fact he's a Nike guy, um, and I just like his style of play. He seemed like he's very laid back, uh, just a nonchalant type of dude. Stays out of limelight and plays some great golf. I would love to see him win uh, some 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 trophies, get some more hardware and stuff. But I just I think he's a solid dude, man. Big dude, man. He's six four, man. Yeah, he he he's a big dude. 
Yeah, and he shows as well that, you know, that flexibility piece like DJ. You know, DJ can get way back here with it. Yeah. But him, it's like he's doing a three-quarter swing and yeah. pow, he's killing it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He a beast. Yeah, I like him. What you think, Ken? I, I like him. I, you know, the one thing, he's, he's, all, he's almost kind of mysterious because you don't ever hear just a whole lot about him. I mean, they talk about his golf and the swing and – you know, how far he hits the ball, but, you know, as far as, um, like, his his personality, if you will, you just don't hear a lot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you just got to really know, like, who he is and – Right. Because they don't promote him like they do some of the other – you know, you, you're Strom and you're, you're Bubba Watsons and mm-hmm. you feel Mickelson's. I mean, they just – they don't talk about him like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he's actually uh I mean he he's been playing some great golf. I mean he just hasn't the circumstances haven't lined up enough for him to actually to win. Uh, he only has one victory. Um and he's actually in playoffs. Today made him one and three in playoffs, either one and three or one and four. So um his one victory was after a playoff too. He just got to cross that. And no, I don't. I don't know. It's got to be very difficult and very frustrating to keep being right there week after week after week after week. You know, you right there, and you 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 can't quite get over the hump. You know. I'm just looking up. He only has um, he has two two wins. Um, I guess and his highest rank. I mean, ranked number nine in the world. Yeah. Yeah, which is yeah. pretty good company. <laughs> <laughs> I would think so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 But just but like you saying, just he's just never been able to, you know, get over the hump. Just yeah. So close. Yeah. But so far away. Yeah. It's crazy. This is one of those games where, you know, close don't count. No, nah, it doesn't count. I don't know, though, because he's he still got a million dollar check. So, yeah, but still, I mean, what would I get? Yeah. Yeah. What you leaving out there? Yeah. You know, I mean, he's he makes good money. I mean, he made he's made like 20 some million in his uh, I think he's been on a tour since 2007. He made like 27 million, I think it was. But uh, 31 years old, you made 27 million dollars. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I would take it, you know. I mean, I don't like losing, but if I'm going to lose, I'm still going to be a millionaire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, and, and the Max Homer cat, uh, they talked about him. I think last year he won uh, quite a bit. But, like, the year before that, he'd only won, like, $18,000 in a year of playing golf. He had missed a lot of cuts. And so that's it's, it's interesting tough. to keep keep going. You know, I mean, neither of us could could live off of eighteen thousand dollars. You know, and you imagine, you know, the expenses that they have. You know, they do have quite a few expenses. You know, even to get in the tour and trying to get to these events and all that stuff like that. You know, only making eighteen thousand dollars. I'm sure he made money from his sponsors and stuff like that. But still, you know, well, I yeah, found a YouTuber. Um, and I had to send it to you that um, kind of made a video about stuff like that. And yeah, dude, man, you got to have a strong backing, man. Your family, you your support system, even like yeah. you mentioned the uh, the the uh, sponsorships and stuff. 
when you're not on, they're really not paying you. You're right. getting, you know, you'll get golf balls, you'll get hats and attire to wear. Yeah, and, yeah. And equipment. Yeah. Yeah, but well, you're not some really of like them getting paid. Mm-hmm. They'll pay you some of your fees for these tournaments because I mean, mm-hmm. fees ain't cheap. Are you traveling? Are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Lodging. I mean, you talking about you got to play four rounds. You're playing four rounds, basically, but that doesn't include practice rounds. Right. 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 I think a lot of times they get comped the practice round, though. I think that's just a part of them when they enter in, they get comped their practice round. Yeah. But I'm talking about like staying somewhere, you know, I think a lot of times that's why they stay with each other. You know, some of them get so close. You think about, uh, yeah. You think about how close uh, Justin Thomas, Ricky Fowler, and Jordan Speeth are. You know, like them boys be hanging together all the time, you know. Um, I guess they don't hang together as much now since they married or whatever, but they probably still be together quite often or whatever when they out on the tour. I would assume, you know, the family probably don't make it to a lot of them. Yeah. Different events. So, yeah, it would make sense. I mean, you develop a brotherhood. and Right. You know, like, you know, if you had a good day or a bad day, whatever, you know what to say, what not to do around these people. And they just want to, you know, you want to get in that zone. And, you know, once you get that bond, I could see how they could, you know, often be bunkered together until they start making that good money. Then you just, right. just want. <laughs> mm-hmm. Tyler Seifert was one of the first one. He grew up in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. And um, he actually started caddying at the golf course there at Carolina Country Club. And so. He's 13, uh, right? He was like 10. He was he was caddying okay. or whatever. And so um by the age of 13, he was breaking par on the course. So uh he he was a good he could play early. And so this is what was interesting about that, you know, um that like when he would they would kind of get on the course and play when they could. And so he wasn't ever really able to develop. Uh, a real stroke because he had to play fast, you know, like he couldn't, he couldn't just take his time. You know how we take our time reading puts and stuff like that, you know, mm-hmm. but um, so the, the country club owner, Sutton Alexander and the PJ Proder, Clayton Hefner, Hefner. So they saw how well he played or whatever. And they decided to help try to teach him the game or whatever. And so, um, by the time he was 17, he got in a little, he had a little run in with the law and they came to him and the owner came to him, Sutton Alexander, and told him that um, that it was probably best that he didn't caddy anymore and he didn't play golf at that course anymore. And so what come to find out, basically it was, uh, he got too good. He was beating the, the people that were there and they were threatening bodily harm to him. So um, he ended up moving. Huh? I said over a game and his skin complexion. Ain't this? Yeah, I mean, that's I, like when you look at the, the big picture of all this, like it's crazy to think about the way people think they own stuff. You know, even when we play certain golf courses, I ain't gonna call the name, but we know which one we talking about. Mm-hmm. Public golf course in the city. Mm-hmm. The guys there, they play there regularly. They act like they own it. It's a public golf course. It's owned by the city, but they act like they own it. 
you know, and and anybody that live in Memphis that played, you know exactly what course we're talking about. <laughs> you the know. city's country club. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, so they told him, so he moved up to Philadelphia, and uh, he started playing up there, and um, that's where he really honed his game or whatever. And so... Well, what was crazy, like he started because he so he started playing on the United Golf Association tour and he won the Negro National Open six times between 1948 and 1960. He won a couple of them in a row, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he he was a good player, man. He really great, yeah, great player. And <laughs> um, so what ended up happening was he got with Teddy Rose, Teddy Rose was another um good golfer. And he was the personal golf coach to Joe Lewis. And so uh, Seifer ended up becoming the golf teacher to Billy Eckstein, which was a jazz singer. And so they was kind of running in the same circles with a, a few celebrities or whatever back in the 1950s. And so he ended up, he ended up kind of, they, they ended up saying, you know, like, look, you wasting your talent or whatever. Challenge the PGA. Do what you got to do to make them folk get rid of their claws or whatever. And so, you know, basically, and then he, he ended up running to Jackie Robinson. And Jackie Robinson told him the same thing. Look, man, do what you got to do. It ain't going to be easy, but do what you need to do to break down the barriers or whatever, you know. And, um, and, and, and that's what was cool about that. I thought that that was interesting because it was like, look, Jackie Robinson had done it. Look. You know, if anybody knew how difficult it was going to be, he knew how difficult it was going to be. But you think about it, even and and Charles Seifert kind of made this point in one of his interviews, you know, like when you on the golf course. You ain't got no team behind you. It's just you. Me, myself and I. <laughs> yeah. It ain't, you know, you, you get to, you know, your caddy or whatever. But most of the time, your caddy is somebody that you just paying. You know, he ain't. That's it. You know, like it's just you out there. It ain't like you know, Jackie Robinson had a whole team. You know, which some of them on the team didn't like him either. But it was a couple of them that you know, kind of, kind of dealt with it a little bit better. You know, or whatever. And um, but he knew how difficult it was, it was going to be. And so um, he began to try to enter. PGA events. And so he would do the qualifiers or whatever. And so uh, in Phoenix, on one occasion, this is one of the the, uh, the stories that they tell, which was two, which is true. It was, um, I think it was um, Charlie Seifer, Joe Lewis, and a couple of other guys in Phoenix. And so they were planning this match to qualify or whatever. So they t- all teed off together. So they get to the first hole. They get up there to the tee, to the to the green, and it's human waste in the, in the in the cup. Dude, that's ridiculous. It's <laughs> it's insane, man. Totally insane. How are you that doggone? Upset that you're gonna take your own stuff. I gotta make it funny, bro. I, I can't stand and wipe my own, but I don't want that on my <laughs> hand. I just want <laughs> like would you go pick your own stuff and put it or just do that and come on. Or you're just gonna do it right over the hole, right? Clean yourself. So I mean, that just goes to show you the, the links that 
folks would go to to exhibit the kind of hate they have for. Them. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, you know, another reason why I think they they hated on them too, man. I don't know if y'all have you know just looked at random footage and stuff, man. Dude was well dressed, man. Yeah, he was well dressed golfer, yep. man. Yeah. So he looked good. He played good. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's another reason for him to hate on him, man. Yep. That's so another we, reason I shout out to Charlie C, but that's why I like to look good on the course, too. <laughs> <laughs> so he ended up qualifying for a tournament, right? And so um, they only, most of the time, the black players are only play, able to play in Canada, Chicago, and L.A. And so he quad, he shot a 68 and got into a tournament. And they wouldn't let him in the locker room, though. So could you imagine like leading a tournament and they won't even let you in the locker room, man? Like, what's I mean, like, I don't know, man. You know, I'm I'm a 80s baby, born in 78. I can't really imagine what it was like back in the 50s and 60s. Um, but it had to be crazy. It, it, it almost it, you just saying that just makes me think uh it's almost like you take these little kindergarten games and just amplify it by 10. They wouldn't let them in the locker room. It's almost like, you know what I'm saying, kindergarten, the one kid got the cooties, you don't want to let them in the room. But it's just on a whole nother level. Like, these grown folks, man. What? So-called. All, all because of the color of the skin that we didn't ask for. We was just blessed with it and born. Yeah. So he won the Long Beach Open in 1957. And so I think he won like $18,000. And so he filed a, a lawsuit against the PGA to strike the uh, the Caucasian owner clause. And so they ended up changing it or whatever. And they um, approved him a PGA card for one year. And so he had to play well to, to keep his card. He was almost 40 at the time. Which mm-hmm. right now, you know, we looking at the struggles for Tiger right now, you know, being over the age of 40. And I'm and looking at the leaderboard yesterday for the Genesis Inv- Invitational. Nobody was, I think it was like one or two guys that was even above 35. Like one dude, I think was above 35 that was on the leaderboard. So like 40 is old. It's, it's, it's up there for the, for the PGA Tour. And so, yeah. so that's when he got his card. And so even though he was even though he was 40, he managed to remain among the top 60 money winners for a whole decade from 1960 to 1969. So Charlie Sefer, so he won the Greater Hoffa Open in 1967 and the Los Angeles Open in 1969. He earned $341,000 as a PGA pro and a re- repeatedly applied for the prestigious Masters Tournament. His application was always denied, even during the years of his tour victories. One year, he led the Canadian Open after the first round, which traditionally the winner of that tournament always received an automatic invitation to the Masters. Mm. That year, however, the PGA sent a message to the Canadian Open that it would not necessarily invite the winner to the Masters tournament right in the middle of the Canadian Open. Stung yet again by the blatant racism, Seifert did not win the tournament. 
Another time, a promise of a $100,000 bonus and a new car for anyone who hit a hole in one was mysteriously rescinded when Seifert managed to do just that. He sued and won his cash and car. No black athlete had played in the master tournament until 1975. That was Lee Elders. By that time, Sifa had retired from the PJ tournament and was working as a teacher pro at a country club in Cleveland, Ohio. Yeah. So you, you keep mentioning the Masters in this situation. I, I, I'll be the first to admit it with our golf group, bro. I don't like the Masters. You know why? Just for one, is it's called the Masters. Yeah. And, and the history behind what our people have went through, it's just like, to me, it's just the mass. It's just like, it's just got like a, that name is just like, I don't know. It just makes me feel, it just gives you that, uh, just that bad feeling. I don't know. I don't like it. Great golf course, but I just don't like the name being attached to it. Down in Augusta. I just, you know, like after learning some of this history, which I knew that Augusta was one of the, excuse me, one of the last country clubs to allow African-Americans to join or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, um, which is always, which is disturbing to me, you know. Um, I think it's still like that to this day. It's a secret society. You can get up in there and play. You got, it's a special invite only. Oh yeah. It's like, uh, yeah, you can't, yeah, nobody can, but a lot of country clubs are like that though, where they don't let, certain people they don't just let anybody come and play or whatever like you have to be invited by a member and you know like even even augusta was one of the last courses to allow women you know it took them even longer to allow women um than it did <laughs> african-americans you know and um so that's shameful you know like i, I don't you know it, hey look look quick hey. fun fact with charlie seafood who was named uh in honor of Charlie Seifert, who who received the name Charlie? Tiger Woods' son. Ah, he sure did. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Little yeah. Quick fun fact. Yes, sir. He, he said yeah. for him, the, the, grand, the grandpa he never had. Yeah. Tiger said the grandpa he never had. Yep. Hey, y'all, this man. So I'm gonna ask Kendra first. If there's one thing you could change, um, in your lifetime and things that you faced dealing with because of the color you were blessed to be born with. What would what would it be, man? What would you change, Kendra? As far as how you were treated or whatever, however you take that question, just what what, what is you would change and, and just elaborate a little bit why you would change it. You know, if I, I think I understand the question. But if there if there's one thing I would change is um like when somebody meets me, don't automatically make that assumption because of my skin color or because of my size or whatever and not know what kind of person I am. Because hmm. to me, you know, I just, I mean, just, just judge people based on what their character is. Judge me based on my character. Now, my character may be flawed and that's, you know, that's that's on me, but don't judge me just because I look differently than than you or whatever you're used to, and that sort of thing. Because I mean, so many times, just 
you know, you always think, or at least I always think, and just in the back of my mind, if um, whatever situation is, I think people are going to judge me just because of that. And you know, maybe we all have our biases, but I, I, I like to always think of black or white, Hispanic, whatever. I want to, when I meet you, I'm, I'm paying attention to what you tell me and the kind of person you are. You know, I, I see you, but I don't see what kind of color you are, if that makes sense. Okay. So if that's one of those things that I, I wish that happens a lot. I even talked to a guy. Um, he called me a couple of days ago. He's like, he's a white guy uh, raised in, you know, rural Alabama. He says, listen, we're different. I said, but if there is ever a time that I say something stupid, then I just want you to pull me to the side and tell me about it. He said, and it is just, he said, it could be just my ignorance and I just not know. And I said, as long as we're able to have a dialogue and we're able to, if we can listen to each other, I have no problem doing that. But I, you know, I'm not going to be the one that's going to go try to influence my or push my opinion on you and and all that kind of, well, we can't listen to each other. I'm, I'm not doing that. It's just, it's just it's fruitless. But if you're willing to have a dialogue about something, then I'm more than willing to have it. I, I can do it. Uh, I don't judge him because of who he is, and I, and I don't think he does you know, treat me that way. But if there's one thing I could change, that would be it. Cool. I appreciate that, man. That's, that's dope. That's dope. Um, interesting. Interesting, man. Uh, Arthur? What about you, bro? <laughs> you know, I don't know, man. I um I don't know. I can kinda I, I can see where Kendrick come from in a in a couple of different ways, because he said not only because of the skin color, but because of his size or whatever, which Kendrick is a big dude, you know. And so um the general giants. Yeah, but he <laughs> you know, he doesn't he's never come across as that aggressive dude like that, you know, like some big dudes will be, you know, how some big dudes try to force themselves in, in all kind of situations because they can, because they big or whatever, you know. And um which he ain't as big as he used to be, you know. He's still tall in stature, but he, ain't <laughs> you know, he allows a lot of weight. But um, I, I, I think that um, I think what Kendrick said is pretty broad, you know, which is prejudice, you know, and, and stereotypes or whatever. I think that's a good, good thing to change because it just it it crosses so many things, you know, like it's 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 so prevalent. Um, I don't know. I mean, it would. I don't know, man. I guess My you. mind would that's, take me. That's a, a deep. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, a, that's a deep, thought-provoking question. It is. It is because I. I mean, I want to change so many things, you know. But uh, that's what makes it interesting because I just ask for one. But if you go like, man, name a few things, or you be like, man, I'm gonna change this, 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 yeah. this. But yeah, when you pick one, it your mind starts to. Oh, you got you know so many. 
Yeah, well, I tell you what, what my mind is, man. It just, you know, I got many as well, but one of them will be just uh, I would change the communication barrier. Um, and then, you know, basically being able for for all walks of life to be able to to agree to disagree or uh, whatever. We talked about this earlier about, you know, communicating and it doesn't always have to be a yelling match, always this and that, but just being able to communicate, having your voice heard, whether you white, black, Chinese, clear, pink, blue, whatever. So let me let me ask you all this since you brought up the question. So do y'all think that y'all would have been able to deal with all the stuff that uh, some of the African-American golfers had to deal with? Charlie C for el- elite elders, um, Charlie Rose, uh, Spiller. I can't remember the other guy. Spiller. Do you think the Bill Spiller? Do you think y'all would have Ted Rose? I said Charlie Rose. Ted Rose. Do you think y'all would have been able to deal with all the stuff that they had to deal with? Yeah. That's a good question, Kendrick. You go first, man. You the OG, man. Go ahead. No, absolutely. I mean, because what choice do you have? I mean, you just you're gonna sit back and just you can't just sit back and just take it. You know, you, not that I'm gonna make you. Yeah, you can't make nobody respect you, right? Right. Uh, you can't make nobody feel certain some kind of way about you, but that you can't let that stop you from what your destiny is. Like, you they, you can't let that keep you from pushing the boundaries. I'm going to make you tell me no, keep telling me no, keep telling me no, and, and eventually somebody's going to say yeah. It's just like, you know, it's like the, the uh, you want to take the pretty girl to the dance. You know, she's going to keep telling you no, but she's going to get tired of you asking. And guess what she's going to do? That one time, she's going to say, yeah, okay. All right, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can't just, uh, you just can't lay down and let them folks win. Yeah, yeah. You can't. Yeah. You know, I just, I, I've just always had that mentality. And maybe it's, I don't care if you beat me. I'm going to keep coming back. I'm going to win one day, you know. I just, I can't quit. Yeah. And I quit. I can't give up. I got too many people depending on me to do well. You know, whether it's a culture or whether it's my family, you know, whatever. Too many people looking at me and and wanting me to succeed. And there are too many people looking at me wanting me to fail. I'm not going to give you satisfaction of watching me fail over and over again. Yeah. I got to win at some point. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, I'm going down fighting. I, for me, I think um, I may not have been able to go about doing some of the things they did and maybe standing their ground the same way. But my personality now is like, I'm going to go through challenging times, but I try to go through challenging times being under the radar, which that doesn't make sense, but that's just how it is. Like, like what I told you all about earlier, you know, I wear a suit and tied to all my college games and stuff and no disrespect to nobody out there, but I just feel like it's a double standard. Um, and I appreciate the guys that have hired me, but that's just how I feel. So I make sure I dress up going to my games to look good, but also to take away one of them check marks that I possibly could get because a Porter's good, but he, he comes in jogging suits to the games. That's just one strike to put on me just because, and I'm not saying it's going to happen. That's just how I feel. And they can, they, they, 
uh, should knock me for I feel. So I dress that way. And that's how instead of me voicing it or whatever, I just do that to get around it. And so, but uh, I don't know. It's, they, they went through some unique times back then, man. And to hear, you know, to read about it is one thing, but to actually think about what they went through, like, you know, I, I couldn't imagine what I would do to be playing golf and, and get up there and there's some, some feces in the, in the cup. You that man, Arthur. I know I cussed a little bit, but you might have heard some real colorful curse words that day. I get up there and there's some boo boo in the cup hole, doc. Yeah, we got some problems. Hey. You know what I'm saying? I, I think that those guys back then, you know, certain ones were built to handle that stuff. Uh, a lot of people persevered through a lot of things, you know, uh, and some people kind of just laid to the side. Some people didn't want to get involved, you know, and some people did. Some people pushed the pushed the limits. You know, some people took took their money that they won from the golf tournament and sued and said, hey, look, I, you going you're going to allow me to play, you know, and uh, and I appreciate those people that did those things and broke those barriers, because if it hadn't been for them, then the barrier would still be there probably. Or it would have had to been another, you know, five, 10, 15 years before somebody else came along and and, and finally pushed the envelope, you know. Um, but that's why I've, I've, I, I, I have appreciated learning the history about this game that I love so much because it, it makes me want to get better. It makes me want to um, to to be able to show people, look, you know, uh, there were limitations put in our way before, but they're not there anymore. Yeah. And and this is how we can move forward and break down those barriers. You know, we can take away the stigma. They look at us on the golf course as being somewhere we don't belong or whatever. We can take those stigmas away when we are so we are. Our presence is so significant that you can't ignore us. Yeah. You know, it's impossible. You know, you, 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 it's funny. I just thought about this real quick. Not the old joke. You talk about being on the course and, you know, them feel like we're not supposed to be there. I wonder if some of these people who really feel that way, if you caught them on the golf course by themselves and you're by yourself, would you get that same treatment? And what makes me think of that is because I went and played Galloway by myself um, just to get out the house and just have a peaceful moment and caught up with the, another guy that was walking. Happened to be a white guy. Super cool dude, man. For two hours, we walked and talked and had a great time. And I'm like, man, it kind of goes when I talk about the communication thing. What if you could have for one-on-one time with some of these same people who feel that way, but it's just you two out there? I wonder how they would act and how they would respond. How would they really? You could, you could be hard. You could be hard. Excuse my friends, a hard ass their first hour, but it's hard to keep that up for four hours on the court. It is. You don't like somebody. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. At some point, that's has a good shot. They go to icebreaker. Now, you know what I'm saying? I, I, when you put people in a group, it's almost like the whole fight thing. You know, you don't like so-and-so. So, man, yeah, they go so-and-so. You really don't like them. It keeps it going. But when you by yourself, you see that person you don't like, what happens? Nothing. People, you know what I'm saying? You just nod, all right? Yeah. Like, damn, what I was, what I was mad at him for again? Yeah. Yeah. That's it. And and that's, that's to me, that's why um, I'm not a big social media dude or whatever. I use it for for what it can benefit me. But um, because I feel like a lot of people say things on there that they would never say to your face. Internet never. bullies, man. Internet yeah. gangsters. That's what they I call them. That's they IG. Internet gangsters. Ever say to your face. 
Keyboard gangsters. Uh, keyboard gangsters, you're right. Yeah. Exactly. They, you know, they like thumb they, gangsters, man. Yeah. They thumb gangsters. Yeah. Like they are they are, they tough on there. Coming to you now is a dripped out moment. Man, look, I just want to tell everybody, listen, you had me on once before we talked about fashion. Look, I, some people may be able to see this top, maybe not. It's a nice pink golf uh, polo list top, meaning there's no collar. It is by Tiger Woods. You see the logo on the back. It's a $90 top that I picked up. Golfing on the budget, aka balling on the budget, $90. Got it on sale for $33.98 with my coupon from shout out Dick Sporting Goods for $10 off. $23.98. A $90 golf top that I will be flying this golf season. That's <laughs> that's balling on the budget, golfing on the budget with your guy, Porter. This has been a dripped out moment with Ronald Porter. Thank you again for listening to Burn Edge Podcast. Please follow, like us, subscribe so that you can keep in touch and you'll know when we have events coming up. We got some, the spring is coming soon, so we're going to have some events coming up. Like and subscribe to the podcast so you can be informed. Thank you again for listening.